But you know what? It's a job I can't do just by myself. I need a guy to join in with me in this fight to show you everything. I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Magic Mike Singer. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. Good to see you two guys. How are you doing tonight, TJ? I am doing great. But you know what? We do. You said guys because we had to bring in a third. Of course, he's known as the third wheel on Wrestling POV, our I guess sister, mother, father show. But here he is tonight, Rick Serrano the third. Rick, welcome aboard. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, people? But listen, TJ, I gotta cut you off right there because you said something wrong. And the thing is, you don't want to be wrong with the third wheel. I am the three-time wrestling POV champion. You gotta get it right, man. You only get one time and making a first impression, and you're messing it up, TJ. Uh, I don't know what to say. I guess I have been chastised. <laughs> oh, come on now, TJ. You got to give this man credit. I mean, he is not just a one-time. He's not just the two-time. He is a three-time WPOV champion. And he's even got his own award ring named after him. Don't you, Rick? Yes, I do. But we're not going to go into that because that, that, that award right there smells a little dirty. But again, my name is Rick Serrano III. And guys... I am one of the hosts of the Wrestling POV Podcast, where you can find all your WWE news. And ladies and gentlemen, here at Wrestling POV Global, my guy, Magic Mike and TJ Logan, these guys are going to be talking about all things wrestling when it goes to Ring of Honor, New Japan, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, and even some indie wrestling from around the world. You don't want to miss it, guys. We are here. It is Halloween. Let's get it started. Ooh, that is sounds exciting. Speaking of, <laughs> didn't Magic Mike win an award off you one time recently? Uh, I don't want. Maybe I should bring that up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Mike. Nah, sorry. I'll stay out of that. Well, you know what? The first thing we're going to start with, we're always going to start with uh, our rumblings, right? But we just wanted to take a quick moment. I know you guys probably talked about it a lot. Well, I you did talk about a lot on a. Uh, on your wrestling POV, and it was that was the whole situation with Roman Reigns. And we just wanted to throw out a thing about how this is just something very shocking in the world of wrestling. Because I cannot remember the first time in a long like I can't remember a time when the world champion of a major company was taken out like this. You know, this is something you expect from old timers. This is something you expect from something else. But cancer is uh, it's a pretty crazy thing. And and I can I can relate with this. You know, I had cancer when I was a young boy. And I spent 18 years wondering if it was going to come back till they finally told me it wasn't. So I know what that was like to live those years like Roman Reigns probably had in the back of his mind all the time wondering, is tomorrow the day they say it's over, you know? But uh, we wish him the best. I know it's a, a struggle for me, something personal, and uh, I can relate, and it's sad for the world of wrestling. 
Yeah, you know, it's the the biggest thing about this whole thing is on on wrestling POV. I always get I'm pretty hard on Roman Reigns. Um, it this has nothing to do with Roman Reigns. This has everything to do with like he said with Joe and Noah. This guy is a man. You know, he's a person. He's a real life person. And this struggle that he's going through right now, I wish him nothing but the best. His family the best because it like you said, it's it's an extremely difficult thing to deal with and. I honestly, like I said, I wish him the best. It's it's really sad, and I'm glad that the WWE Universe and the world of professional wrestling itself came around and they're just giving him all his support because he 100% deserves it, and he hopefully we get him back within, they say it takes up to two years, um, so hopefully we get him back soon. Yeah, um, just to kind of chime in on what Rick said, uh, this this goes beyond professional wrestling, guys. This is something that is, it, it's not just an illness. It is a fatal disease if not treated properly. Any, any form of cancer is considered fatal if not properly treated. And, you know, echoing what Rick said, you know, a lot of the people in the wrestling community like to give Roman Reigns a hard time. And even I can count myself in on that group of people. But after what I witnessed on Monday Night Raw that night, uh, you know, it, it took a lot to keep myself from just breaking down and weeping because I had a friend in high school who succumbed to uh, leukemia. And I'll tell you what, it, it affected me very deeply. And I'll tell you, it's something that I think reached out to those around us and made people realize that at the end of the day, these wrestlers are human beings. You know, they are people who go into work every day. They punch the clock every day like the rest of us do. They do their thing. They go home. And not only are they human beings in that aspect, but they also have families. They also have people who are close to them that are affected by this. So my thoughts and prayers are with the Anoa family tonight. I wish nothing but a speed recovery to Roman Reigns. Um, God bless you, brother. We're all in your corner. You know, come back fighting, and we'll be here waiting for you when you come back. And for more uh, WWE news uh, make sure you check out Wrestling POV Podcast. It's available every Saturday on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify for free. We cover all things WWE. Back to you, TJ. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, Rick, I do love you guys' show, but I got to say I really love Miguel. That guy just kills me, man. I, I, yeah. I like you, Rick, but I love Miguel. I'm sorry. Don't be yeah, jealous. Yeah, I know. Everybody loves Miguel already, but he's the biggest jerk that no, no, there no, he's is. He's misunderstood. He's misunderstood. Yeah, you don't live with him, TJ. Uh, speaking of speaking of that, Rick, where is Miguel tonight? He's probably out kissing some girls. You know, he loves he loves the women. He loves getting around. Um Mike, he's too big for us. He's too yeah. big for us, man. We couldn't book uh, him on the show. Let's be honest. We couldn't yeah, afford it. Gonna, I, yeah, oh, you're right. wait a I second. Don't so you're saying you guys are telling me that I was the no, first choice? No, 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 no. You were definitely in the top three choices we had. <laughs> you done did it now, TJ. See what you did? You done put us in the hole. Oh, Thank man. you so much for that. Oh, man. Show's over. Oh, That's man. it. I'm out of here. Well, you know what? Let's, let's get uh, let's See get how it is? Rolling. I only been on this show for 30 seconds. <laughs> this was wow. uh, seconds longer than I thought he'd last. But anyways... <laughs> Let's go on to uh, our rumbling section. Rumblings is where we try and cover uh, news, injuries, and maybe some rumors. And uh, today I have two pieces of news that I found, one of them uproariously hilarious, and uh, the other one kind of interesting. We're going to start off with Jeff Jarrett. 
who just had his head shaved, losing a hair versus hair match in uh, against Dr. Wagner Jr. in Triple A's Heroes Immortalis show. Wow. Recently. If you look online, my goodness, he looks like one sad shaved duck. I'm going to give him that. Yeah, he kind of looks like you. Hey, I chose this. I lost the match. (laughs) (laughs) And my second piece of news today, just that I found interesting, a bit of a crossover from uh, Wrestling POV Universe, uh, Fabian Ackner. Do you guys remember this fellow from last year's, um, the the whole, what, the Cruiserweight uh, Classic? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big German dude. Yep. Well, he was on loan to uh, Evolve. He's still part of the NXT universe, but he won the Evolve Championship uh, a couple nights ago against Shane Strickland. Wow. So that's kind of neat. And NXT talent, he's still signed by the WWE, but he's now the Evolve champion. Yeah, I noticed um, WWE's been uh, becoming more involved with Evolve, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting um, where they're going with it because they're, they're opening up their doors to more independent wrestling scenes, and uh, it's it's really interesting. It's not interesting, but stupid. It's actually interesting, but interesting. Mm-hmm. Mike? Yeah, Rick. Well, you know, that, that kind of cracks me up because I was actually waiting for you to say that, believe it or not. I was actually standing here saying, any second he's going to come off with that interesting but stupid line. But, <laughs> hey, man, I'm glad to know that you're on our side on this one, brother. Oh, well, you know what's... What you talking about what's interesting is also the fact that uh, the company that owns Evolve is launching their own streaming service and they are going to be showing their pay-per-views. And recently, NXT talents have been showing up on these shows. WWE has given them permission to broadcast these guys on that network. So where does this lead to? That's a great question because I have no clue what WWE gets out of this. Obviously, Evolve gets a lot out of this. Yeah. What does WWE get out of this? More fans. I mean, more oh. people buying the network. I mean, it's just they're well, gonna they'll find a way. That's hopeful thinking. That's hopeful thinking, man. I mean, what does what does an Evolve show have? Like 150 people at a show? I mean, it's not like you're digging into rich veins of gold here. Well, as somebody that has 20 plus years and change in the business, Tony having about 20 of those years, um, myself, um, I've been at a couple of events where I was backstage at Evolve and listen, they tear the house down for those 150 fans. So I believe um, that. I am not questioning what they are. I'm just saying, what does a giant corporation like WWE gain from a tiny independent place like Evolve? Well, they're not taking their talent. Well, what they can do is they can definitely evolve them and uh, make them become bigger. Uh, Matt Riddle was always backstage at the Evolve events, and uh, now look where he's at. He's at NXT. So I Mm. think what WWE is is fishing in that small pond looking for the great white is what I'm thinking. So you're thinking a farm team for the farm team, NXT's farm team. Exactly. All right, uh, Mike, did you have any uh, rumblings for us today? Actually, I do. It has been, you know how there's been the rumor going around that Cody Rhodes' contract with ROH is coming to a close? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, it has been confirmed that Cody Rhodes has no intention of re-signing with WWE if he allows his contract to expire with ROH. He -hmm. made it public that he wants to stay on the independent scene. He feels like his star shines much brighter on the independent circuit, which I do agree. And I think that uh, if this is the decision he comes to, to decide to either stay in ROH or New Japan, depending on which promotion offers him more money, which in all honesty, I think New Japan's got ROH beaten that aspect. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, I think it is Cody's more better suited uh, position to be on the independent scene. What do you think, Rick? Let me tell you something. No star shines brighter than Stardust, man. 
Stardust was the best. <laughs> he was gold, baby. Gold. He was, was gold. So let me get this straight. You're saying that a guy who controls his own destiny across the indie circuit right now, who's making more money than he did in the WWE, doesn't want to go back to being a third-rate cartoon character in the WWE? That I is preposterous. I think he's got you there, TJ. <laughs> Mike, anything else you got on the news front? Um, as of right now, I do not. That was the one that jumped out at me today. But trust me, if anything comes across the wire here in the next little bit, I'll be the first one to let you guys know. Excellent. Well, now we're going to go into our New Japan Pro Wrestling POV. This is where we're going to look at uh, New Japan and talk a bit about it. Now, this is our first episode, so we're just going to preface for a lot of fans who may have come over. For, well, all of you fans who came over from Wrestling POV may not be too familiar with New Japan. And New Japan is probably the second biggest company right now in the world. Uh, they're nipping a bit at the heels of the WWE, but they're quite a bit different in the way that they show wrestling. And uh, let me explain what I mean by strong style. Or actually, Mike, why don't you tell them what strong style is and why it's important in wrestling? For oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, strong style is a term that is coined in New Japan. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm referring to here. You know what the face off is where you have two wrestlers that pretty much come to the center of the ring, especially in a big profile match. And, you know, you go back in history and you look at some of the more recent matches. You remember The Rock and John Cena the first time they faced off in a, in a match. They kind of stood there for a few moments and looked around and saw the crowd and kind of took in all the adulation and all the cheering. Well, in this situation, that's not what happens. Instead of soaking in all the cheers of the fans, these two proceed to step back from one another and as hard as they can, they slap their opponent across the face as hard as possible. In turn, the gentleman who receives said slap takes his hand and slaps the other gentleman across the face. Now, why would they do something like this, you might ask? Simple. It's about honor. It's about legitimacy. It's about showing the wrestling world just how much punishment you can take. And TJ, it doesn't just include slaps across the faces, now does it? No, they've also branched into uh, the infamous chop in the corner. Let's see who can take the most chops to your uh, chest to split open bleeding. But here's the point about it. We've always known wrestling to be this hard-hitting sport that's sometimes light because we don't want to kill each other, right? The Japanese, however, seem to have this thing of, sure, we're going to wrestle light, but we're also going to see how many times we can beat the crap out of each other just to prove that we're strong men. And it's a weird concept, and a lot of guys are having a – the transition sometimes when Japanese you'll, – you'll ask anybody who goes from North America over to Japan for the first time and tries a few matches. First, they're shocked. You know, they are shocked. This is – you know, it's wrestling, but it's, it's a lot physically harder wrestling. But you notice guys who tour Japan usually come back much better wrestlers. And uh, it's it's an incredible system. It's a hard thing to understand that concept. Why would I stand? Because they will. They, they're not even going to fight out of that corner. They will stand and let a guy chop them until they can show how many it takes before they break. You know, I don't know. Do you think you can do that, Rick? Could I chop you like that? Um, I would not recommend you chop me because I would probably die. Um, <laughs> no, I just meant you're not going to stand there and let some guy chop you. No, I would definitely take a chop and probably die. But a real though, I think that the uh, the Japanese uh, they may be compensating for a smaller muscle. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh. Anyways, let's talk a little bit about New Japan wrestling. Now, right now, some of the big matches that have occurred recently. Um, 
there is a thing going on called the Super uh, Tag Tournament for Juniors. I'm going to get into that last because, let's face it, just like in the regular wrestling world, the juniors don't mean as much as the heavyweights. Now, TJ, let's educate the fans real quick who may not understand this. There is actually a legitimate weight class in New yes. Japan. Yes, there is. Uh, unlike more places where you see a lot of wrestling, is you know the gimmick where you see the 250-pound guy beating up the juniors and he's claiming he's 204 or something like that. The Japanese are very stringent on this. You have to have the weight class to be in the weight class. Unfortunately, a lot of great high-flying, like the most amazing high-flying wrestlers are their juniors, but they don't rarely ever get to the main events because it's just like in North America, the heavyweights seem to be what dominates people's imagination. Now, before we go into that tournament, let's talk a bit about what's going on in New Japan right now. There is a thing coming up called Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom is just like WrestleMania. It's where everything comes together. It's the final uh, roll-up of all the stories, of all the events, of all the feuds. Everything gets decided at Wrestle Kingdom, and then they move on for the next year. Now, during the summer, there's an event called the G1. And the G1 wrestling fans, if you're a wrestling fan and you say to me, hey, I'm a wrestling fan, I love wrestling, you can't prove me you're a super fan until you sit through the G1. We're talking at least 28 nights of wrestling, four hours plus a night. And wow, because with wow. the because of the time exchange, you're looking at watching them at three or four in the morning. So this is a big 32-man tournament. They break it down in, or sorry, it's a 16-man tournament. They break it down so that there's an A and B block. And all the guys fight each other in a round robin. And the winner of A fights the winner of B. That's pretty standard. But it's very key because the champion enters the tournament. If the champion is pinned by anybody during this entire tournament, that person gets a title shot at him. The winner of the final whole tournament gets to fight the champion at Wrestle Kingdom, the biggest show of the year, the biggest pay, as Dusty Rhodes would say, the biggest pay window. Now, the interesting part, what if the champ wins? The champ's in it. The champ wins, he decides his own contender. So this is an important thing. And this is what's leading into now. We are almost at the end of the year. We're looking at the opportunity of who's going to fight the champion. Uh, TJ, also, while we're bringing this up, mm -hmm. notice some of the similarities between the North American audience and their organization, is preferably WWE, and New mm -hmm. Japan. There is a certain object that these wrestlers get in their possession if yes. they win this tournament. You want to fill them in on what that is? Yes, if you are not the champion and you win, you win sort of like money in the bank. And I say sort of like because you have a guaranteed title shot. It's not a run-in, cash-in thing. You don't get to surprise someone. You get to present it at Wrestle Kingdom and enter the event. However, you also have to defend that thing two or three times before you get to the end of the year. So even if you go through that grueling tournament and you have a rough, hard year and you're getting the crap kicked out of you, you could lose one month before Wrestle Kingdom and all your hard work has gone away. Wow. So that's pretty interesting. Now, this year's winner was uh, Tanahashi, who a lot of people know as the ace of New Japan. He's been a guy who's been in, in uh, New Japan for years as their champion. But now he's getting a little bit older. He's looking a little bit tired. He's been holding a... a a really severely injured arm for last while. People know this, but he managed to win the tournament. He has the he has the contract. His biggest opponent this month was Okada, former uh, NW, uh, sorry, former New Japan champion. Tanahashi wins. It looks like he's going in for sure at Wrestle Kingdom to fight Kenny Omega. And just to show that the champ is not a slouch, he got pinned by Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii just had his title shot. 
and lost. So it does so far, unless something crazy happens along the way, Kenny Omega will be facing Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. And that's crazy yeah. you say that because Kenny Omega, Tanahashi Okada, they've all been in our Wrestle POV top 10 at one point or the other. These three guys are beasts, and I'm telling you guys, you want to listen to Wrestling POV Global. You want to listen to TJ. You want to listen to Magic Mike because they're going to be filling you guys in on these guys. Um, Okada is a monster. If you haven't seen any of Okada and Kenny Omega's matches, I suggest you go back and you look at these matches because these are legendary matches. Five stars on the board, man. These guys are amazing at what they do. And Kenny Omega and Tanahashi, they are going to tear Wrestle Kingdom down. Yes, they are. And I'm going to say this much right now. <clears throat> Tanahashi in Japan kind of represents what John Cena is here in the United States. He's been a mainstay with New Japan for the past 12, 15 years. He's been, without a doubt, the people's representative when he steps in that ring. The thing is, I think Tanahashi realizes that this might be the twilight of his career. I think he realizes now that there are fewer days ahead than what there were behind in his wrestling career. So with that being said, I'm going to call this right now. With the roles being set, Tanahashi, Kenny Omega, Wrestle Kingdom, I'm going to call it right now. It's going to be better than Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. What? That's some crazy oh, yeah. wow. I don't know, man. I'm going to call it right now. Wow. Okay. Um, one of the things I wanted to look at uh, while we're in New Japan, have you guys, you know, one of the best part of wrestling is heels. And unfortunately, it seems heels these days sometimes aren't the tough guys they act like. It seems, especially in WWE, you get a lot of heels who are kind of the chicken. When something happens, they bail. It's been refreshing to have a guy like Minoru Suzuki, who is a legitimate monster who will not back down from anything. He will run out with guys holding him back, with people attacking him with chairs. Well, he'll probably attack you first with the chair. But he is a legitimate uh, former MMA fighter who is now is probably the scariest monster I've seen in wrestling for a while. He's terrifying, and he's legitimately scary. When you say you, TJ, are you talking about Rick? <laughs> Just no. wonder. No, no, no. Now, um, one of the things I love about Suzuki is you've got a guy who is so, I mean, he doesn't even dress fancy. There's nothing fancy about him, and yet he has his aura about him. And recently, he's coming up to the Wrestle Kingdom. He has found himself in two different feuds. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and throw it out there for people to guess now who they think he's going to fight in Wrestle Kingdom. Because on one hand, you have uh, Naito. Naito is the most laid back, uh, doesn't care about anything. He is disrespectful. He spits at his opponents, but he never lets things bother him. He never acts like he's scared. And you got to understand that drives Suzuki crazy. Suzuki has tried to kill him, legitimately <laughs> kill him so many times this year. And he just yeah. basically goes, eh, whatever, you know, and he's like Raven in the old days with Bruiser Brody chasing him down or something. Imagine that in your mind. Yeah. That's what we're seeing here. So is it going to be Naito? Good possibility. But on the second hand, he's also found himself in a crazy feud that has transcended New Japan. He has found himself fighting Ishii, who took away his British heavyweight championship just last week. They had a crazy match, which was just no holds barred, hitting, punching, kicking. So Wrestle Kingdom, who knows what's going to go? They don't usually do three-man matches. That's, that's a rarity in New Japan. So who's it going to be, folks? Do you think it's going to be Naito or is it going to be Ishii? You guys got any picks on any of those guys? I mean, you got to go with Naito, I think. I mean, 
Naito and this dude is just. I would rather see that. I'm I'm just gonna be. That's my POV on these things. You know, um, I definitely want to see that. Mike, what are you thinking? I uh, I have to echo that. I think I'd rather see Naito because you take two polar opposite characters and put them in the ring. You don't know what's going to happen. You really don't. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got one guy who attacks anything that moves or jumps out at him, and even if you don't move or jump at him, he's going to attack you. And then you got this other guy who's just like, eh, it's okay. You know, I sit back here in the corner and I cheer my arms like this. I do my Tony Montana impersonation. For those of you that don't know who that is, I apologize. But I would rather, yeah, I I, I was going to say, I'd rather see that. And the funny thing about it is this match could very easily take out the first four or five rows of the Japanese crowd. And something tells me a majority of these guys that are standing around watching this match are probably going to stand right there and be like, go ahead, just fight this way. Because the Japanese fans like to get hit. They actually enjoy it. They get into it. They mark out when they get hit. Whereas if it was a North American audience, about four or five rows would be already up in the bleachers saying, nuh-uh, not me. Well, guys, I'm going to give you my POV, and it's exactly opposite of you guys. I've seen Naido and Suzuki many times. I don't know how many more times I can see Suzuki kick the living crap out of Naido and Naido pull out a win. That, That seems to be the thing. But you know what? Yeah, it's fun to see polar opposites. But what happens when you take a rabid dog and put him in with another rabid dog? That's a fight. And I think Ishii and I and I think Suzuki are – you think the first five rows are going to be a, a battleground? I think that whole place could be a battleground. I think you're going to see two guys who are literally going to try and kill each other. And that might be interesting to see. Yeah, and you know, and I'm, I'm glad you said that, TJ, because um, – I didn't see it from that POV. And that being said, I have to say this. Um, what you just said was um, interesting, but stupid. <laughs> oh, is there an eject button on it. this guy? Is there a mute button? It, uh, <laughs> you knew that was coming. You should have known better. I I'm know. But well, when Wrestle Kingdom comes and I'm proven right, then we'll see who's interesting, but stupid. <laughs> Moving on. Great. Moving on now, guys. Right now, as we're sitting today recording the show, um, the Super Junior Tag Tournament is on. Now, this is not only do the juniors have their own belt, but they also have their own tag team division. And in Japan for a long time, it had been dominated by the Young Bucks. Um, They had just moved into the heavyweights just a little while ago, which is really odd because they're very small guys. But (laughs) I'm not sure how that worked. They kind of got over the limits that time. But uh, Right now, they're having the, the, the Super Tag Tournament. And the winning team, of course, will get a title shot against the current champions. And I'm looking at the uh, standings right now. I'm just going to tell you the top four standings right now. Uh, the number one standing in this tournament, seven days in, there's still two more matches to go. El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, who are the current champs, are on the top. The champions may win this year. That's a possibility. Shingo Takaki and Bushi have five wins and two losses. Shingo coming over from another Japanese promotion has just jumped right in with Los Ignobles, and he is really coming on strong. He looks great out there. He is a, he's a pretty amazing wrestler. If you guys haven't seen this guy, check him out. And then Sho and Yo, you know them as Rapongi 3K. They're in third place with four wins and two losses. And rounding out the fourth is Tajiri Ishimori. And I don't know if you guys seen this guy. He calls himself the Bone Soldier. He's yeah, the guy yeah. that uh, Bullet Club has, that incredibly mean-looking, angry guy who kind of... Sp- I don't know. He kind of walks like a zombie and then goes crazy. He, he's something to see. 
Yeah, I was going to say, this guy is the real deal. Um, without a doubt, the term bone soldier almost comes into play here because this guy is stone cold to the bone. I'm not trying to take Steve Austin's line from him, but this guy has no remorse. He goes in there and he will absolutely dis I mean, dis dismantle you from top to bottom. And I know for a fact that his tag partner is someone that you're very familiar with, TJ. Fill the fans in who we're talking about. We're talking about Robbie Eagles, one of uh, Britain's kind of exports right now who they brought in for this tournament. Um, they had talked about, uh, the well, when we talk Bullet Club here, Ishimori doesn't belong to the Bullet Club anymore. He joined with the original Bullet Club, mostly led by the Tongans. Okay, they call themselves the BCOGs. Now, the BCOGs said they were bringing in somebody. No one expected them to bring in a British wrestler. Um, however, Robbie Eagles has been really surprising everyone. They've done great in this tournament. Two high flyers. The funny thing I'm going to say about Ishimori, it's amazing. He's scary because when he goes in there, he has no expression. And that's scary. Now, I, need, I just want to jump in here real quick, TJ. Can mm -hmm. you kind of educate me just a little bit since you are more familiar than this? Yeah. Just how far does the Bullet Club's reach go? They are they're like a massive organization, but how far does their reach go at this point? Well, they have the reach that up until recently, you couldn't go into a Hot Topic and buy a WWE shirt, but you could buy a Bullet Club shirt. New Japan Wrestling, uh, it's opened the doors a bit. Now I go in there and I do see there are some WWE shirts. But the Bullet Club, I mean, when you can go in there and teenagers who didn't even know what the heck they were, were buying Bullet Club shirts left and right. The Young Bucks even made it a bigger thing. Their reach is all across the indies right now. And, Rick, you got you to gotta understand, I bet you the WWE would love just a little dip into the Bullet Club's popularity and money. I honestly think what they would love to do is get the Bullet Club so they can stop the Bullet Club. That's, That's just another thing. My honest opinion, I think Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, anybody that comes from over there from the Bullet Club that comes into WWE are going to get buried and it's just going to get stopped. Um, you will definitely see the Young Bucks on 205 Live in 2.5 seconds, and they will be done in 2.5 seconds. It's uh, definitely one of those things where WWE would love to just stop the Bullet Club's popularity. And honestly... I think the engine is starting to stall out on the Bullet Club. I don't think they have too much time left in popularity. I, I'm going to have to kind of agree with that. It, I mean, Kenny Omega still a big name. The Young Bucks kind of petering out a tiny bit across across North America. Um, I'll be honest with you, TJ. I think another thing that you got to take consideration too, though, was the Bullet Club has split into so many micro factions too over the last yes. several months. It's Ooh. become almost ridiculous. You've got you got the mainstay organization, which is kind of the more lesser-tiered wrestlers, but then you have the faction called the Elite. So you have these two warring factions, and it kind of, in a way, reminds me of the old NWO days where you had, you know, NWO Hollywood, NWO Wolfpack. It's just, I mean, even, even the Bullet Club does the Too Sweet logo. I mean, this is what we're looking at here. That's exactly what I'm looking at now is almost a repeat of what went on in the late 90s with the NWO. Very true, very true, because you know what, the the Bullet Club and the Bullet Club Elite, that whole came to a head recently, you know, a couple of months ago, where the Tongans have had it, and they jumped at the after the all-in show, they attacked the Elite, and they now they call themselves the Bullet Club Originals, the OGs, and that concludes most of the Tongans, Ishimori, and now they've just picked up a few new wrestlers, and it's, you know, Robbie, Robbie Eagles, I'm not sure how he's going to fit in there, but it'll be very interesting.
you better be careful what you say about Samoans in front of Rick. He's got uh, he's got a certain. I said uh, Tongans. Tongans aren't Samoans. That's kind of racist, man. Not, yeah. Not, not, not the same thing. Thank you, TJ. Not the same thing, but you did say about the OGs, and you know what it is when you see these Tongans, you're just like, oh, geez, again. Um, I, I just gotta be honest. I mean, I'm just done with this Bullet Club thing. I mean, it, it, I think it's ran its course. I think it's time to just repackage the whole thing. Um, NWO didn't last that long either. I mean, after a while, it got boring. It got stale. You got 50 members in one group. Like it's, It doesn't work when your whole company is one group. So I okay. think it's time to start uh, ending the Bullet Club. No, I, I got a quick question for you, Rick, and I want to throw this out there, okay? And sure. maybe even to you, Magic Mike. Back yeah. in the 80s, what WWE wrestler, who sometimes also wrestled in WCW, was considered legitimately the toughest, scariest man in the world. And I'll uh, give you a hint. He was from Tonga. Oh, that's easy, man. That is Mang. That is Mang. Haku. Haku. And did you realize that three of his sons are in the OG? And... The Bullet Club OG. And he's sort of the guy who pops in now and then. All right, All I'm see? saying, Rick, Rick, you might not like the OGs, but I, I challenge you today to, when you get off here, look up uh, Tonga Loa. And watch some of his match, or no, even better, Tama Tonga. Well, listen, I like. Let, let's get this straight, man. I mean, I, I, when when I said OGs, oh, I I, mm-hmm. I didn't mean anything. Like they might be listening, and I'm and I'm sorry. Yep. Um, yo, TJ, yeah, they, they gonna kick my ass, I man. I don't want to get hurt, man. His last name is spelled S E R R A N O. No, no, no. Oh, oh, sorry. He's a sorry. dangerous man. Uh, bad luck, Fale. I actually have a very good friend who's a head trainer at his school, so I'm not going to tell him what you said about him, Rick. Yeah, thank um, you. We'll let that go, okay? But le- I'm keeping that in my back pocket because bad luck, Fale is six foot eight Tongan terror. All right, and then what I have in my pants right now is about a six foot eight pile of crap because. <laughs> <laughs> you know what to, Rick is you're always willing to go over to fight the good fight. Just continue, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to uh, to to Impact POV. Impact, uh, the the little show that used to, the little show that maybe could, the little show that has not been doing very well lately. It's yeah. the little show that still can, TJ. I firmly believe Impact has got some life in its lungs. But I think what's going to take that is for the wrestling to become prevalent again. I love Impact as a company. I think the corny, the corny fantasy gimmicks could probably be done away with. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there is still some very, very strong, solid wrestlers in that company. And I believe Impact still has a chance. Rick, you were talking to me earlier. How much? What was the ratings like last week? All right, so last week Impact had about one hundred eighty-nine thousand viewers. Um, that's one of the lowest they've ever had. And like I said, if you go back a couple of years ago when they had Kurt Angle, Christian Cage, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Impact was on top of the world. Um, then Bischoff and Hogan got involved and just brought it down to what it became and then Jeff Jarrett came back in and they started a little push again um and like Mike said about this fantasy stuff now Lucha Underground does the fantasy stuff perfectly and it acknowledges it and it ex- embraces it to impact right now they're just um trying to just grab onto anything and to just get an audience 
Now, mm-hmm. if you just go back to what you guys used to do, you would, you would be on top of the world again. I mean, no one's going to surpass WWE. I'm sorry. Uh, New Japan is coming close, but at least just em- embrace yourself and, and just come to terms with, you know what? We're not going to be number one, but being number three isn't that bad. So mm-hmm. I think if they just go back to that old formula they had, have an actual X Division champion, not have this giant dude cage as your X Division champion because that's not what X Division was about. So well, yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. Well, I would just like to point this out, okay? We've ta- we've talked about the fantasy elements, and you guys are both saying, yes, that's not a great thing. However, if we were to trace back even as far as three years ago, the biggest ratings they received was when the Hardys were doing that whole uh, broken mat gimmick. And that thing was all fantasy, and that had numbers bigger than they'd had for months before, months after. So I could see why they might think it would be a good desperation to try and do something like that. But I'm going to have to agree with you guys. If you can't do something super well, maybe you shouldn't do it on a big platform. Exactly. If, exactly. if you can't do the fantasy stuff as good as WWE, who even themselves can struggle with some of that stuff, maybe you should stick to wrestling. Maybe you should be the wrestling company. Is there enough wrestlers, though, in that company, really? When we look at it, is there enough high-talented wrestlers to be the third company in the world because right now i wouldn't even put them in the top five wow i mean go ahead i mean you gotta look at it though um they got rich swan they got this dude willie mack cage is a beast Mm -hmm. Uh, sammy callahan i mean come on the guy is a little off but he can sell Mm um eddie kingston you know uh eli drake eli drake I don't know where the dude came from. I mean, I remember yep. seeing him on a reality TV show with The Rock. And this guy talking about how he wants to be a professional wrestler. He's turned it around. The dude mm-hmm. is somebody that can be champion. He can go far. Tessa Blanchard. I mean, Tessa Blanchard, Impact, they just re-signed her. They just re-signed her for like three years. That is amazing because right now you have probably one of the top women in the mm-hmm. business right now. Not in Impact, in the business, working for your company. You better build around this woman because right now, if she was to go to WWE, her and Charlotte would be wrestle- has WrestleMania written all over it. And, you know, to, to kind of chime in on this too, guys, in all honesty, I think one of the biggest things that hurt Impact, especially when they were riding that high wave of momentum – was taking away what made them unique. And what made them unique in a lot of regards was the six-sided ring. I thought, without a doubt, that was what really kind of put them on the map. Sure, you can turn on any wrestling program around the country, and a majority of the time, you're going to see a four-sided ring. But anytime you turned into a TNA slash Impact show, as what what it's referred to now, you had the six-sided ring, and that made them different. It set them apart from the rest of the pack. You take that particular element and you add in guys like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels. The the endless possibilities just from that alone were Mm -hmm. phenomenal. And I think when that particular era came to an end, it kind of started this slow downhill descent they began to experience. And Mm -hmm. I think they need to kind of go back and say, what made us different? What set us apart? Yeah, the fantasy gimmicks are all well and good, okay? If that works for the ca- the casual fan, more power to you. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, as for me as a fan, I think that they could take that and implement it in a much better way. 
I think that right now, Impact needs to find a way to get back to what made them the, the number two company at one point in time in this country. Let's face it, they were number two at one point. Mm-hmm. And let's simply focus on the wrestling. If they get back to that, if they focus on their stars and they put them in good positions and they make matches that are going to turn people's heads, they can easily get back in this game. Rick, what do you think of the six-sided ring? Do you think that oh, made a big difference? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great idea. I thought it was different. I thought it worked for them. Um, like I said, Hogan and Bischoff came in and they said, you know what, son, brother? I want a four-sided ring. <laughs> what, what, was Hulk Hogan here? What the hell? <laughs> hey, let's let's not forget, guys, the very first episode that Bischoff and Hogan debuted on with the four-sided ring, the fans were chanting, we want six sides. We want six sides. So what does that tell you? Well, that's one thing, but uh, I'm not sure if a six-sided ring at this moment is going to make that much of an impact on impact. <laughs> oh, yeah. The but guys you know what? Got let's jokes. talk some of the big stars there. Let's talk some about the big guys right now in uh, Impact. Eli Drake. You're right. Where did this guy come from? I don't. You know, I've been scouring the Indies for quite a while, and then when he popped up and be, went shot to the shot straight up into TNA's, or sorry, TNA at the time, but up at Impact's high reaches, I was like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? What do you guys? What's your guys' take on this Eli Drake? Yeah, like I said, I, I saw him on a reality show with The Rock talking about how he wants to be a professional wrestler, and then all of a sudden he shows up in Impact. And I was just like, yo, that's the guy that was with The Rock. Um, he was also with WWE at one point. I believe he was with NXT for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has been around the block, and now looks like a good time for him to shine. So I hope he's smart about it. He doesn't get himself into trouble and just stays on the right path. Well, you know I like what? Eli Uh, No, no, go ahead. I want to hear Eli Drake stuff. Oh, I like Eli Drake. I think he is a fantastic wrestler. I think that he's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, You know, he's got a way of moving around the ring that you don't see from a lot of different guys his size. But at the same time, I think that where he kind of falls short, maybe, in my opinion, is that his mic skills are just a little rusty. I mean, some people like the way he performs in the mic. I, for one, think he's got a little bit of work in that aspect. But in all honesty, yeah, like Rick said, this guy pretty much came out of nowhere and just took the whole impact scene by storm. And if he continues on the road, he's down. I see nothing but a bright future for this guy. Now, here's where I think we look at our first misfires of TNA. Or Sorry, I keep wanting to call it TNA because I've known it for years. But, okay, my first misgivings of impact are right here. Eli Drake is a great wrestler. He should be out there at the top of the card fighting the, the champion. But what is he doing? He's carrying on a storyline about suing the company for an unsafe work environment because of his open challenges. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I've heard in a long time. And even he recognizes is that ridiculous because he says, I'm only suing because everyone else is suing uh, Impact right now. And I thought I'd get in on the fun. Yeah, I mean, that right there, that's a mistake on their part. I mean, it's just as big a mistake as bringing James Ellsworth in for Bound for Glory. Like, what are you doing? I mean, the, the guy, you're doing the wrong things at this point. Like you just said, Eli Drake should be at the top of the food chain. You can even put him. You want him, You got Brian Cage at the exhibition title. Put Eli Drake in that picture then. You know, it's like if anybody can be exhibition champ, give him that belt. Give him an opportunity to have a, a strap around his waist. Yeah, I, I agree, Rick. I think that this guy, that they're wasting him so much right now. I mean, the guy spends more time actually up in the announcer's booth than he does in the ring. I mean, that's not going to accomplish anything. 
it, it, all it's going to do is just prolong whatever storyline they've got here. And to be honest with you, do they even know where they're going to end this? Do they have any idea where the cutoff point's going to be for this? Because I don't see it. All I see is this big, this big, long, vicious cycle that is just going to end up becoming more monotonous than anything. And once again, they're putting this company in danger of turning more fans off. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll just get David Atunga to be his lawyer. Oh, brother. <laughs> well, you know, one thing, uh, you know what? You guys have talked about some of the wrestlers. I won't agree. Or my point of view on some of those wrestlers aren't the same as yours. You know, like, for instance, I don't see much in Sammy Callahan except a, a, a kind of pudgy guy who takes a lot of hardcore fighting things. And and OVE, on, those guys are terrible, the guys he hangs out with. Um, but in all aside, with these great wrestlers, for every great wrestler there is, I look at the card and there are these guys like Fall Abaugh. Here's this guy who's, you know, you see a fat guy and you think he could be tough. And certain times fat wrestlers get really big and you're like, oh, he's really yeah. big. But then you see the fat wrestler, he's like, that's just a fat dude. <laughs> Fall Abaugh looks like just a fat dude they hired to, to hang out there. And, and it makes me mad that there's all these great wrestlers you guys talked about. But when I look at Impact this week, all of those guys are fighting the nobodies you know who are never going to win. Yeah. don't have yeah. a chance. So why would you tune in to that kind of story weekly? I mean, this isn't the 80s where the squash mashes will hopefully get us out to the house shows. You know, nobody goes to house shows. Everybody wants to see good TV. And seeing Fall Abaugh get beat up by Moose is not good TV. That's true. And, and speaking of Moose, what do you guys think about Moose? Because to me, I honestly... I'm not high on Moose. Um, I I mean, maybe you are up there in Canada, TJ. I don't know what what your thought is on Moose. but well, uh, The first time I thought of Moose, I thought for sure there was going to be a squirrel come out and maybe <laughs> Boris and Natasha as his managers. And I misunderstood the whole concept. And I saw Boris him. and Natasha, don't forget the Naboose and Squirrel. The first time I saw Moose, I thought, oh, great, another – semi not even not even that popular football player coming over and they're going to throw him in matches because he's big and he's going to make a fool out of himself and it's going to look terrible but you know what this guy got better and better um i'm not a fan of everything he does but he definitely has a great body for wrestling and he's getting better and better constantly i'm starting to enjoy his stuff his stuff with eddie edwards is probably the only thing i'm really really enjoying besides tessa blanchard's work is uh, the feud between Eddie Edwards and Moose is really that's some good stuff, and it's about time they had some good stuff, Mike. Uh, this is where I'm going to draw a lot of flack, so I'm going to get my bulletproof bulletproof vest on and get ready to take the heat. I like Moose. I followed this guy ever since ROH, and to be honest with you, when I first saw him, he didn't look like much. He looked like a big former pro football player, like you guys have alluded to. And I thought, here's another guy that's going to use his muscle, going to use his physique to basically, you know, overpower his opponent and things of that sort. But in contrast to that, this guy showed me not only could he implement the power game into his wrestling, but this guy is lightning fast. I mean, the guy moves like he's about 100 pounds lighter than what his frame may indicate. And I'll tell you what, in his time in ROH, he went for eight months undefeated. And believe it or not, Rick, his first loss came to Cedric Alexander. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Bear in mind, bear in mind, Cedric Alexander weighed 35 pounds more in ROH. He cut 35 pounds to get in the cruiserweight uh, uh, contention and be under 205. So 
he was a much bigger man, so it wasn't that crazy of an unbalance. Yeah, I mean, but Moose is still the size of a moose. And to lose to somebody like Cedric the Entertainer, I mean Cedric Alexander, uh, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But getting back to like Impact this past week, you had Johnny Impact defeat uh, Phoenix. Now, yes. that match was good. I mean, that match was good. 189,000 people watched it. I mean, I wish more people would have watched it because it was an actually entertaining match. And that shows you that we have people that are that you would want to watch on Impact. So I, I pushed okay. people to watch it. But if we go to Bound for Glory and that finish with uh, Johnny Impact and the man they call Austin Aries. TJ, let them know about this. All right, you know what? Uh, me and Magic Mike have debated this quite a bit. Uh, what did we see there? Was this real? Was this uh, just part of the show? Uh, I am convinced, because I'm a little bit jaded and I've been around for a while, that uh, I think it's a big work. I think it's part of an angle. They're going to hold Austin Aries off for a while, make him look like the ultimate jerk, because let's face it, this guy has burned so many bridges, where else, who's going to hire him if he gets out of impact, you know? Uh, I think, it, though... Is it? Will it drum up interest? It may. I mean, when have you ever seen any uh, wrestlers on TMZ as part of an angle? Sure. You know, you had you had Johnny Nitro on there. So, um, you know, maybe this has some legs, but I'm not sure. I don't think fans really care about the is it real or is it fake stuff. I think it's it's in the '90s. TJ, 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 TJ. You've got to understand something here. Mm-hmm. Austin Aries is the class definition if you were to open up a dictionary and look up under the word asshole <laughs> his picture would be next to it okay let's just next call it what it is or? okay <laughs> all right all right let me finish before we start popping jokes guys <laughs> right. for those of you that know what that is tune into wrestling pov on saturday afternoons they'll explain to you what that is or is that ting ting <laughs> oh, oh anyways <laughs> yeah anyway all right. Anyway, the, the thing is, Austin Aries, without a doubt, is the world's biggest jerk, guys. I mean, this guy has a history of not getting along with promoters. He has a history of not doing what's best for business. He's all about himself. That is clear from start to finish. I mean, if you look back, and I'm, I know I'm retreading through some old wounds here, but I'm just saying, if you look back on his record his, for the last two years, he actually... Try to take Vince McMahon on and say, hey, I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. He got mad that his match with uh, Neville wasn't even on the main card for WrestleMania. He got mad that it was the pre-show. I mean, my God, just be happy that you're there. I can think of ten to 20,000 other wrestlers who would be more than thrilled to be on WrestleMania's card. But no, he was pissed off that he wasn't on the actual main show. Give me a break, guys. And then... Not only that, he was mad that he didn't get booked to go over and win the Cruiserweight Championship. So it wasn't a big surprise to me that he was gone from the company shortly thereafter. Now, you fast forward to now. He does this in in Impact. I'm still wanting to call it TNA2. Sorry. It's just bad habit. But you, you look at what he does here. He goes into this match, and from what sources I have been able to pull and you know, look at, his contract expired the night of Bound for Glory. So, in my opinion, and this is my POV, I think what happened was is when he realized that his contract was up and he wasn't going to retain the Impact Championship, what reason would he have for playing along? He had no reason. So, hey, 
why don't I just get up and give all the fans a big F you and walk out and, hey, while I'm at it, I'll spit at the referee and flip the fans off. It wouldn't surprise me at all if this was a straight-up shoot. I mean, in my uh, opinion, I honestly see this as a possible impact uh, writers trying to make this into something bigger um, by just showing, um, yeah, we're kind of real. We know that we people know that wrestling is scripted, so we're going to just have this guy get up and walk out, act like the Starship Pain didn't do anything. (laughs) John Lord is here. Oh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, I honestly think he just did that. Um, I think it's part of the story. I agree with you, TJ. I honestly think that it's just some – they're just trying to be real and okay. uh, without being real. You know what I'm saying? They, uh, it's just it's just poor writing, and I don't think it's um, – I don't think it's going to be successful for them. I, I just hope they, they focus more on Johnny Impact and Phoenix – um, and Pentagon Jr., especially Pentagon Jr. The guy is amazing. Um, Absolutely. I think the focus needs to not be on porn star Austin Aries and focus on the guys that can actually get you money. Well, this is the last thing I'm going to say to wrap up Impact Wrestling. We talked – yeah, you're right. Look at that. On that show alone, you saw Rich, Rich Swan, Willie Mack. You saw Pentagon Jr. You saw Eli Drake. But you know what you didn't see? You didn't see any of them wrestling. You got to see Killer Cross. You got to see Moose. You got to see uh, LAX and the Heavenly Bodies. I mean, you have all these great wrestlers, and they're just going around doing goofy little vignettes. Well, some wrestlers are beating up some really poorer wrestlers. And I think Impact really has to look at how they're going to present that show. Because if I know that this is what next week episode's like, I'm cringing thinking about who I should be seeing wrestling versus what I'm actually going to get. And that's my POV on Impact this week. Well, folks, you know what? We're going to move to a little part right now where we – this is the part where these guys don't know much about what I'm going to talk about because it's very highly specialized. But it's my little indie corner look. And this time I'm going to focus our first episode on a wrestler who I've known for quite a while, and I've watched him develop from a clumsy starting-off guy who is just learning his legs to uh, a very funny commented character to – a out-and-out jerk of a heel to today where he finds himself not only champion in one of the biggest companies in Western Canada, but he's finding himself as one of the most popular wrestlers there right now. And I'm talking about Sheik Akbar Shabazz. Sheik Akbar, you can find many of his stuff on um, YouTube. Check out some of his things. Um, I thought, though, it's hard to uh, describe a lot of a guy that is from Western Canada, but what I think I'm going to do Oh, Mike, wait a second. I think you want to say something, don't you? Yeah, I'm just curious, TJ. Why is it that all these guys who have the name Sheik always have to have Akbar tied in somewhere? Oh, probably the same way people uh, glorify other people in their own race by giving a name that uh, is something that they admire. That's what, that's what I can think. Wrestling, the greatest Sheiks all the time had the name Akbar in there. That's probably his way of showing his honor towards that wrestler himself. Uh, to me, it just sounds like somebody getting sick and going, ah, ah, that's just me, sorry. Just, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> that. Folks, those uh, comments do not represent <laughs> wrestling global POV whatsoever or wrestling POV itself. Not that there's anything Magic wrong Mike with that, TJ. You gotta Canada. say it quicker, Magic Mike. You gotta say it quicker before TJ gets that line out. You gotta say it quicker. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. Anyways. I'm still getting my sea legs. Oh, I'm so sorry. I want you guys to take a look at uh, Sheik Akbar Shabazz on YouTube. 
You can find him uh, from PWA Wrestling in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. But I'm going to go to a little interview with him. He's going to be able to tell you a little bit about himself. And then maybe throw out some more of that uh, great social media stuff that I can never remember. Hey fans, welcome to Western Canadian Indie Corner. I am here today with the current champion of the Prairie Wrestling Alliance, Sheik Akbar Shabazz. Sheik, you have been on quite the roll lately. You're getting in more matches. Fans, strangely, are starting to gravitate towards you. How do you see that going right now? Uh, so far, things are going really well, actually. Um, I was a heel for, I think, the last eight, nine years. And it got to the point where, you know, like, if you hate a guy for so long, you start to like him and whatever. And so they thought, turn me face, see what happens. And uh, thankfully, they, they liked the turn and they like you know, cheering and getting behind me. So everything's worked out really well. And just everywhere I've gone kind of things have just mysteriously the stars aligned and just you know 2018 has been a great year for me well you know i've known a lot of wrestlers for just as long as i've known you but in nine years i've seen you start with a guy who had potential to a guy who's a legitimate main event star right now you're obviously working constantly on new moves uh you've added so many things into your repertoire how much more do you are you going to do to make the chic more more of a well-rounded wrestler Honestly, like, I don't know because usually I just, things just pop into my head at a moment's notice and I just try it out, like, you know. So I, usually I try to, like, watch videos and, you know, see new moves and stuff, but then I just always just get lost into the match and forget what I was doing. So I just kind of just keep things in the back of my mind and just whenever I'm in the ring or putting something together in the back, I just think, like, well, no, maybe I could try this and whatever. And thankfully everything I've done has worked out and, not too many horrific uh, car accidents in the ring. So, Now, if uh, first of all, you do have a little bit of stuff on YouTube, and I know you're putting more things together. Uh, are you going to make a YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, it's something that I want to do. I uh, just haven't had the time to, and uh, eventually, hopefully real soon, I'll get one up and a bunch of more matches going. It's just uh, not too good with the computers. You know what happens? You turn it on, all of a sudden you're on porn. <laughs> no, no, my goodness. Well, you know what? Um, there is, I, I managed to look on YouTube, there is a match people you can find as Sheik in his villainous days. Last year at uh, a Fright Night, we're actually talking about Fright Night tonight, but last year's Fright Night, back when you were the main villain, fighting uh, Gabriel Stott, you can find that on YouTube, look up Sheik Akbar Shabazz. Also uh, a promo if we want to know what the nasty Sheik was like back in the day that I actually did with him with Gutbuster TV. Tell us a bit about uh, social media, where people can find you, and if somebody is seriously interested in wanting to book you, what is the best way to do that? Uh, well, first, actually, I just want to say there's another match with me and Richie Rage from, I think, 2004. Uh, it was Christmas Slam that's also on there. There's a couple probably older ones that are not the best, but um, for social media, you can find me at, um, at on Twitter. It's the Sheik Akbar. On Instagram, it's Sheik Shabazz, and then I have Facebook, and it's just my real name, Nizar Watfa, uh, N-I-Z-A-R-W-A-T-F-A. Um, serious booking guys that want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for booking? Uh, you can email me, either like either one of those, I guess, or you can email me at nizarbwatfa at gmail.com, and other than that, like, there's just, you know, I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. So, I mean, usually like Twitter and Facebook and stuff and Instagram is the easiest one to get a hold of me because I don't really check my email too much. But 
I don't know. <laughs> well, fans, you know what? Sincerely, check him out. I don't have him on here as a filler. He was my first choice for the first episode because this truly has been a great year for him. He's firing on all cylinders. He's the champion. And he's a guy when you see on the main event, you know you're going to get an exciting match. It's not going to be mailed in or a boring thing. Here's a guy who's really developed along great. And you know what, Sheik? We're looking forward to seeing you down the road and hopefully looking forward to seeing you tour the U.S. someday. Yeah, it would be great. And, you know, there's no... Uh no lows or no highs that I won't go to entertain people, you know, and it's just, I don't care if I have to make a fool of myself or whatever, as long as, you know, the people come in, they have a good time, whether you love me or hate me, I guarantee you, I will give you something to cheer or boo about, and you won't be disappointed when you come. Well, folks, that's the first half of our show. We are going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we still have Lucha Underground and Mike, are you sitting down? Because it's ROH time, buddy, and I know how excited you get by that. Love me some more works, baby! We, we got a little bit of thing called Time Capsule, which I'll explain. And Mike, maybe you should sit down, because remember when you talked about a face-off, two guys in the thing? Yeah. Well, it's me and you, dog. We're facing off tonight. See you after the break. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, I'm coming for you. Three, four, love your <laughs> Watch Wrestling POB Podcast. <laughs> I'm the Boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you. Hey, Mike. What, what, what's that cool t-shirt you got going on there, man? Oh, you saw that, TJ? I'm glad yeah. you did. Let me introduce everyone to the Collar and Elbow brand. The Collar and Elbow brand is affiliated with Wrestling POV Global, where you can go over to WPOV Global and also check us out at the Collar and Elbow brand.com website and put in the promo code WPOV. And you know how much you're going to save, TJ? How much, man? Not one, not five, not seven, not eight, not nine. You're going to save a whole 10%. On 10%. all collar and yes, a whole ten percent on all collar and elbow brand materials. We're talking about hoodies. We're talking about sweatshirts because you know what, fall's coming, folks. You better stay warm out there. And also, not only do you save ten percent, you also support your local indie wrestler. That's right. Go over to collarandelbowbrand.com and type in WPOV and save ten percent. How do you like that, Rick Serrano the Third? I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Fair enough. Ah! Let's start off. uh, Let's go over to ROH Honor Roll. And I know, Magic Mike, you've been frothing at the bit to talk some ROH. Why don't you lead us in on this one today? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I absolutely love this organization. Ring of Honor has been around since 2004. And they have been, without a doubt, one of the dark horse promotions here in the North American continent. And for those of you, and I know there are a lot of you out there that probably know who ROH is and what they represent. but We are here not only to talk about ROH, we're also here to educate the fans as well on the ROH brand. In ROH, there is a very familiar tradition that they have. They also believe in not only athleticism, but there is a key word in the name of their organization, and that is honor. And that is the one thing they hold up very much intact when they get in the ring. When these two gentlemen who are opponents step in the ring, they do the one thing that you wouldn't see in any WWE, WWE ring, Rick. I'll get that out. And what do you think that is? I have no clue. Do you think you'd see The Rock shake John Cena's hand? 
I, I think I see him turn his boots sideways and stick it straight up his candy ass. <laughs> oh, well, see, that's not what happens here. There will be some boots to asses later on in the contest. But no, these two gentlemen stand center ring and they shake hands. The referee steps in. He puts his hands over their hands to seal the deal. The bell rings and the match begins. That is their version of honor in Ring of Honor. So and well, oh, go ahead, Rick. You would say it's sort of like a menage of hands? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> you know what? For folks, I'm Rick. just, I'm just, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything no, wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I but, just have a quick question here for Rick. Yes. Rick, you've seen, uh, you've seen so many WWE, WWE matches. Yes. You've been to cards, you've seen things. Would you find it weird walking in and seeing a card where every single person shook each other's hand before they started? Um... I mean, the Cruiserweight Classic, they did it every match, and I was just getting annoyed by it. I'm just like, God, <laughs> oh. man, these guys hate each other. Why are you shaking hands? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Rick, because there is a certain aspect to Ring of Honor where honor is thrown out the window, and it's called a match without honor. And that actually happened this week between two of the mainstays here in ROH, between oh, no. the 180-pound charismatic charismatic oh. man known as TJ, come on now. Show Make the boys some luck. love. Show, no, come on, TJ. Show your boys some love. I'm talking about Cheeseburger. Oh. Cheeseburger is someone who has become so over with the fans that his popularity is beyond mind-blowing. This guy weighs maybe 160 pounds soaking wet, but he fights the big dogs in the ring that weigh maybe 200 pounds bigger than him, and somehow he finds a way to win, believe it or not. He's kind of a throwback to what you'd call ECW Spike Dudley. Or maybe a throwback to WWE's James Ellsworth? No. Oh, no. Not that. No. Sorry. Sorry. I got off track there. But anyway, this week's main event in ROH was between Cheeseburger and Will Ferrara. Now, Will Ferrara and Cheeseburger at one time were tag team partners. And they decided that they were no longer going to stay on the sidelines and be without championship gold. They wanted to be ROH tag team champions. But guess who they ended up calling out to the fight, Rick? Who? Who? The Bucks. Whoa. And needless to say, it did not go Cheeseburger and Will Ferraro's way. Did, but, did you mention, Magic Mike, did you mention that Will Ferraro makes uh, the young, books look, young Bucks look like giants? Did you mention that in this whole description of this team? I didn't really want to mention that, TJ, but yeah, I guess I will. Uh, Will Ferrara is actually, for a small guy, pretty cut. I mean, the dude's, he's jacked from top to bottom. But anyway, getting back There's on no point There's no four-foot-five man as big as him. <laughs> well. Sorry. I thought that was Ishii. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, New Japan joke there. Anyway. Anyway, Will Ferrara and Cheeseburger lost to the Young Bucks, and everybody thought, oh, well, all's well that ends well in Cheeseburgerville, but so it was not to be. At the end of the match, Will Ferrara delivered a vicious clothesline to Cheeseburger, and the fight was on. This feud raged on for 18 months, and now, finally, they decided to go head-to-head -head one last time in a fight without honor. And so believe it or not, guys... Let's, go ahead, TJ, sorry. This leaves a big question right now for me, then. What's you that? love Ring of Honor, and this was your first chance to, to talk about it. And you put <laughs> Mc, McLean Deluxe and a, an Angry Leprechaun as your main event. These two guys, believe it or not, even though they weren't the biggest guys in the ring, they I went out there and they beat each other senseless. I mean, 
They went into the first four or five rows of the crowd. They went up the ramp. They went around the ring. I mean, nothing was spared in this match. They even actually at one point in time used the timekeeper's table at ringside as a launch pad to throw each other back in the ring, if that tells you anything. That's how physical this got. At the end of the match, though, believe it or not, Marty Ferrar decided he was going to take things in his own hands, wrap the steel chain around his fist, went to hit Cheeseburger. But guess what? Cheeseburger whips out the steel chair and blocks it, cracking legitimately Will Ferrar's hands. That is my injury report for this week. Will Ferrar does indeed have a broken bone in his right hand from that particular punch. So believe it or not, at the end of the day, Cheeseburger stood tall. And that was what happened between Cheeseburger and Will Ferrara. So basically, instead of a match without honor, it's a match without brains because <laughs> you got your hand broken. Like you get the main event and you get your hand broken. Um, you, you know who wasn't yeah. standing tall? Who? <laughs> Will Ferraro. He's only four foot three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Got him. Yes, we do. Where's our soundboard? We can. Just kidding. <laughs> Magic anyway, guys, I on. you got Whoa. more. Tell us some more okay. about ROH. Anyway, moving on, guys. Uh, also, in the most recent edition of ROH, there was a match that I am sure a lot of people out there would be very interested in hearing about. It involves a mainstay in ROH and someone that you're quite familiar with, Rick. Who? I'm talking about the Hurricane, Shane Helms. Stand back. There's a hurricane. Now, let me tell you something real quick about Shane Helms. I mean, a.k.a. the Hurricane. So... I am the reason why Hurricane got into the Royal Rumble. I swear on God that this I am indeed the reason why Hurricane is in the Royal Rumble. I sent out a tweet, an Instagram post, and everything about how Hurricane should be in the Royal Rumble. And he said, I know a guy. He responded. He liked it. And all of a sudden, boom, he appears in the Royal Rumble. I mean, what's up with that? I didn't even get any credit. Where's the love, man? Come on. Did you hit your boy up and say, hey, did you even want to drop my name or anything? Exactly. All he did was give me a like and like, listen, man, I ain't one of these girls that slide into your DMs. I want more than a like. I want a relationship. So shout my name out. Give me the credit. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have been in the Royal Rumble, Shane Helms. Again, what's up with that? That's a little uh, needy. That's a little needy for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other side of the coin, guys, Shane Helms has been in a very very brutal feud with someone who I consider to be one of the best heels, not only in ROH, but in the whole wrestling world right now. And I'm talking about the villain, Marty Scroll. Rick, mm -hmm. what do you think of this guy? I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think he is my favorite villain in wrestling right now. I love the whole gimmick. I think he does it great. I think he does it better than anybody else. Um, I don't really like him with the Bullet Club. Um, I don't. I think him by himself, and if he had his own flock, like a Ravens flock or something like that, I think he would go way farther. And honestly, I do not want him in WWE because I do not want them spoiling this. He created this himself, and he's doing great with it. I want him to continue to do so. Now, fans, I want to let you be aware of something here. The reason why that we're asking all these questions to Rick, per se, is because TJ and I have done a lot of homework and we are very familiar with these characters and these wrestlers. So we're trying to kind of get the outside opinion of what someone might think who normally covers WWE. And that's why we were asking Rick all these different questions tonight because we're, we're very thrilled to hear what he has to say about the independent scene because, you know, week by week we hear what you have to say about WWE and we're thrilled to hear your opinions on 
things that happen outside the WWE scope of things. Yes, and I appreciate that. And like I said, man, I we we're all a family here at Wrestling POV and Wrestling POV Global, and we're gonna continue to rock the world of professional wrestling. And uh, like I said, I did mention before, I am a three-time Wrestling POV champion. In case you guys were wondering, and and also I am the first-time Wrestling POV champion. I'm the yeah, first two-time two Wrestling wait, POV wait, champion. Wait, 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 Rick. What about that award we talked about earlier? Listen, man, we don't have to talk about that award. Oh, the one you won, Mike. Ooh, good, TJ. Oh, no, no, sorry, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I just, I, I'm so new to all hey, this. Hey, you know what? Let me let me just educate you folks on something. Oh, I oh, am. Here we go. I am. I will say it with pride. I am the first ever recipient of the Rick Serrano the Turd Bottom of the Barrel Award. Yeah. I say it with fans, pride. Fans, if I you don't think pride. he has pride, check out his profile picture. He's holding. A little emoji poop doll. Yeah, right. I mean that. I mean, again, what we're all talking about is the wrestling POV pay per view points game, where you can only find on the wrestling POV podcast, where we have a pay per view points game for every WWE pay per view, and you can become a wrestling POV champion. If you're in second place, you can become the interstate champion. If you're in third place, you can become the overseas champion. And if you're in dead last. You become the Rick Serrano the Turd Award recipient. Back to more ROH with Magic Mike. How'd you do last night, Rick? <laughs> I did pretty yeah. good. I, I just want to throw out something here. Um, Marty Squirrel, definitely an impressive wrestler. So good. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but what he has in there, he has such a wealth of wrestling ability. He, he has that British style where it's, joint manipulation like yes it looks painful watching him you're thinking man that guy would that would hurt so bad and he's break you know he's out there ripping fingers he's breaking elbows and uh but he also has that cool swagger about him doesn't he and Absolutely. i don't get the bird thing the whoo whoop but you know what the fans love it and i kind of caught myself doing it the other day <laughs> <laughs> i think that might be more of a reference to penguin since he carries an umbrella i'm not sure but i'm, I'm thinking that actually i never thought of that <laughs> I, I, I think never that's thought it. of that. No, TJ, you're not being serious right now. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> wow. Okay, oh, guys, we've got way off track on the very first episode of Wrestling POV Global, so let's get back on track here. This match between Shane Helms and Marty Scroll was what was considered the number two in the series because actually what happened was is that Marty Scroll, the first time they met, used some shenanigans to pull out the win. Shane Helms says, you know what? No. I don't roll like that. What's up with that? I want my rematch. You know what Marty Scroll said? Why should I? I've already beaten you once. I have nothing more to prove. So Shane Helms kept digging and kept digging, and finally Marty Scroll said, fine. And guys, this was without a doubt one of the best matches I've seen in a long time. They went back and forth for almost 20 minutes, but Shane Helms wins the match with an inside cradle and gets the Duke over Marty Scroll. Now everyone's waiting for the rubber match between these two great these two great wrestlers, and I, for one, can't wait to see it myself. Now, moving on. There's been somewhat of a controversy in ROH the last few weeks. In, in fact, you might call it a conspiracy. And I'm talking about a conspiracy against two gentlemen who go by the name of TKO Ryan and Vinny Marsaya, collectively known as The Kingdom. Now, TJ, you're familiar with these guys. Can you kind of give us a little bit of insight as to who The Kingdom is and what they've been about the last few years in ROH? 
You know what? The kingdom is a very interesting uh, occurrence because they're the kind of guys who came from nothing and made themselves into something. Um, sometimes a wrestling promotion will throw two guys out and say, this is a team and you should love them. And you'll either will or you won't. Sometimes it takes quite a while for them to get. Uh, Matt Taven was the original guy who brought these guys together. Matt Taven had been uh, floating around after he had been injured. He'd come back. He wanted to make a big splash. So he hooked up with these guys and called himself the kingdom. And he made himself the centerpiece of this. Now, the interesting part is they were guys who came out. And I thought, um, you know, I, I thought these guys are plain. They're boring. I, I don't really like them. I, I, they were dismissed. I dismissed them a bit. And I dismissed them every time they came out. But after a while, more and more, I started watching. And after a while, I started to realize I kind of like these guys. It took a while to get into them. But the kingdom is a pretty strong, solid unit. Matt Taven, I sometimes think he's way, way above the kingdom. But I think that these guys are, the, you know, he, that he's above them all. But I don't know. There's something good about them that I like. Well, apparently the higher-ups in our race don't feel that way. Because uh, the straight week in a row, for the third straight week in a row, the kingdom lost in controversial fashion to Coast to Coast, the team of Shaheem Ali and LSG, who in the year 2018 have not suffered a pinfall loss yet. But more to come in this aspect. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know who's behind it. I'm curious to see. But that this week, folks, is my honor roll. TJ, let's get back to you. Well, you know what? Uh, let's take a swerve, if you will, on the road of wrestling and go to a magical place where there's wrestling action. There's lots of crazy stories, but it's open. It'll tell you it's all fantasy. And we're talking about Lucha Underground. And Lucha Underground is this amazing mixture of acting, wrestling, Mexican stories, zombies and all kinds of craziness. But you know what? It's a fun little break from wrestling and I don't mind watching it. I always remember as a kid, if wrestling came on anytime on TV, I didn't care if it was on a cartoon, I was watching it. So Lucha Underground is pretty interesting. Uh, right now, we're going to talk about their seventh, uh, what do they call this thing, uh, seven on seven? It was it was this thing where they had, what's the name of their big belt? I, I get so excited watching this stuff. Rick, you watch Lucha Underground. All right. Let me, let me come into this. It's like... This is the Lucha Supreme right here. You know, it's like a burrito with all the wrestling and all the fixings. You got your drama. You got your your stories and all that stuff. It's, it's a great narrative. It's a TV novella. Um, Lucha Underground, they had the Gift of the Gods Championship match where they had seven guys. We had Jake Strong, Dante Fox, King Cuerno, Arrow Star, Big Bad Steve, PJ Black, and Hernandez. Now, you may recognize some of these guys, Jake Strong, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, and don't forget PJ Black, a.k.a. Justin Gabriel, and everybody knows who Hernandez is. Now, let me tell you something. This match took up all the time of Lucha Underground this week. Um, they're in their fourth season. they got to be doing something right to have four seasons. On Wrestling POV, we had Cortez Castro, the first signee with Lucha Underground on the show, he talked about how Lucha Underground is evolving. You can catch that on uh, past episodes, which appear on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, and iHeartRadio for free, might I add. But getting back to this matchup, guys, Jake Strong, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, ends up winning the Gift of the Gods Championship match, but not before I got really impressed with Dante Fox. This dude is small, but he's solid. Um, a lot of acrobats, fast-moving 
Um, I do have to say, though, I'm very disappointed in Hernandez. I don't know what happened to him since his days at uh, early on in TNA Impact with the six-sided ring where he was just border-tossing everybody across the ring. He lasted less than five minutes in this match. Um, I don't get the crotch chop that he keeps on doing. I don't understand why he keeps doing it. Um, what do you guys think about this match, though? You know what? Let's approach this. I know I know. sometimes, uh, Michael, you haven't been the, the, the favorite of this whole concept, but I thought it was just really fun. There was a lot of craziness. I mean, Aerostar at one time was on top of a, a forklift at the very top. He must have been about 20 feet above the ring. Came off and executed a move. Looked spectacular. Um, fun, though. You know, like like Dante Fox, right? Uh, a lot of people probably don't recognize him, uh, but he did a lot of independent work. And now he's making a name for himself. And it's what I love about Lucha Underground the most. There are wrestlers on here that may have slugged it out for so long in the WWE and because they weren't tall enough, or maybe they didn't have the right look for the time they were trying to get in there, they were pushed aside. So all these great wrestlers, and this is what we do, right? We search around the indie world looking for great wrestlers for you guys to look at. Lucha Underground takes some of these great wrestlers and puts them out there. Pentagon Jr., we've talked about him earlier. He was a big mainstay early on in, in the show. You know, there are some guys like... Jack Swagger. Haven't seen that guy forever. Now he's Jake Strong. And I get to see him. And maybe other people will see him. And maybe he'll get more, more matches. And maybe he'll end up in an area near you. So in that aspect of Lucha Underground, I really liked. And I did like this whole idea. It was a nice break from the fantasy thing, though, at the end, with the glove and the gods and all that was a little much. But, hey, it was like being in a video game. Yeah, right? I mean. Oh, sorry. I mean, if you didn't see the ending of that, we saw uh, our man, uh Johnny Impact, a.k.a. Johnny Mundo, getting this magical glove that made him feel like a god. And uh, it's going to be huge. I mean, the next couple of weeks, we got Ultima Lucha Cuatro Part mm -hmm. 1 is next week where we have a three-way trio elimination match. Son of Havoc versus Killshot in a mask versus mat, uh, mask match. I mean, Lucha, Luchadors in general, their masks mean everything to them. And you're going to have Son of Havoc and Killshot fighting for their match, fighting for their, how shall I say, their honor. I mean, it's going to be huge, man. I mean, the next couple of weeks is going to be a big time because this is technically Lucha Underground's WrestleMania. It's going to go over about four weeks long, but, I mean, it's very enjoyable. Uh, Magic Mike, you've been quiet over there, man. What, what's going on in your head? I liked it. What? <laughs> All right. Tell no, me. Okay. No, oh, sorry. I, I, that was for that was for dramatic pause, guys. No, <laughs> but really, um, I'll tell you what. And you're right, TJ and Rick. You're correct too. Um, it took me a while to warm up to ROH. An ROH. God, I'm still on that train. <laughs> anyway, it took me a while to warm up to Lucha Underground. It really did. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I look at this this card from top to bottom, especially what we saw this past week. You got a lot of guys in the ring. Some from the past, some from the present, and some who are going to be the future of this business, I think. And honestly, if you take everything as far as the over-the-top dramatic theater they do, as the in-between segments and things of that type, and you strip it all down to what Lucha Underground is, I thought it was great. I really did. I'm not going to sit here and say that because Rick's over here twisting my arm behind the camera, for those of you that can't see that. I'm just saying. I'm being honest, guys. I really did. I thought this was a great match. Uh, this was kind of my uh, our, my uh, Lucha Underground cherry being popped, so to speak. Um, I'd seen a few matches here and there 
And Rick's making a face at me right now for those of you that don't know, because, but anyway, we'll just kind of skip past. Anyway, I'm sorry. I did think this was a great match. And I think in the future, if they can continue to bring this kind of action in this light, I can handle the the sketches and things of that sort. I can, you know, I can deal with that. And I think in time, maybe just maybe I will be full on board with this from the from the get go. I don't have anything against Lucha Underground people. Don't think that I'm doing this at a prejudice because it's not. I just it's not something that I was accustomed to seeing. It was something that I was a little that was a little foreign to me. But I honestly think that this company has nowhere to go but up. Like you said, Rick, they must be doing something right to have four seasons under their belt. So, yeah. This this company's got nothing but good things in front of my thing. Well, then I got I got a very serious question for you then, Magic Mike, about this show. How did you feel? How did it feel with this wrestling when Johnny Mundo put the glove on and the lightning went across his eyes? How did that make you feel, brother? I thought I was watching the Avengers Infinity War. See? See that's some good stuff. People love that's that good stuff. stuff. Everybody loves that. But right. I didn't like Avengers Infinity War. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, the, the bottom line is, I mean, who doesn't like a good ankle cracking? I mean, who knew that Jake Strong was that strong, that he could crack a man's ankle three times and come and on. I still walked away. Exactly. No. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, listen, the guy's undefeated. He's a, he's the gift of the God's champion. I see the Lucha Underground Championship coming his way very soon. Cool, cool. Well, you know what? Uh, Lucha Underground is something we're going to keep up with each week. Uh Hopefully Magic Mike will see the light and we'll have him dressing in a lucha mask soon and lightning and gods and all kinds of stuff. We'll see as we get uh, forward in the game. But uh, let's move on to another. Uh, oh, sorry, Mike, you wanted to say one more thing? I was just going to say, don't hold your breath waiting for that to happen. But, you know, ouch, wishful thing. Ouch. we almost had him, Rick. We almost had him. We'll get anyways. Him. Anyways, you know what? I want to move on to something I call time capsule. Well. Today, we're only going to talk about Time Capsule. And Time Capsule is, over the last uh, 10 years, I've had an opportunity to talk to many big-name indie wrestlers and do interviews with them. So time Capsule is we're going to actually dig into our Time Capsule and ah! pull, out, right, pull out an interview of someone that you know. And we're going to do next week on our first Time Capsule a guy, he's got a bit of a name, and he works for a little bit of a company. You may know him as the New Japan World Champion, Kenny Omega. What? Well, him. Yes, two years ago, just as he entered Bullet Club. He was, the, he was the junior heavyweight champion, and he was just getting ready to move up to the heavyweights. And from there, it became the world for him. Right now, he's considered by a lot of people to maybe be the number one star in the wrestling world right now. So we're going to take those opportunity to talk to him. Mike? Yeah, I, just real quick, though, TJ, can yeah. you kind of tell the fans this – kind of educate them on the fact that this was before Kenny's big mega breakout with the Bullet Club in yeah. Japan? Yeah, I did say that two years ago as he joined Bullet Club and he had, was just uh, defending his junior heavyweight title. This is when I had the interview with him. So we talked about the Bullet Club. We talked about all kinds of things. And folks, sit back and listen to uh, – next week you'll be able to sit back and listen to a great interview with one of the biggest stars in the world today. Wow, man, that is, I got to say, that is awesome, man. I mean, guys, Wrestling POV Global, if, the, if we didn't show you what we're going to be having, wait till you start seeing these interviews that TJ got, man. He got some big names, um, Kenny Omega being one of them. Jay and, Lethal, wow. the ROH world champion. Nick Aldis, the current NWA world champion. Uh, lots of guys in India came across uh, Western Canada, and a lot of them took the time to sit down and talk with me, so... 
And as it's going, we'll even have some ongoing interviews as more people come in. A lot of the promoters usually give me a chance. I'm trying to get an interview with Frankie Kazarian next month as he's coming up here. So that might be a little bit interesting too. Mike? Uh, TJ, is there a possibility that somewhere in that archive you may have an interview with Hornswoggle? No, actually, Hornswoggle has never come out here. I thought it was him, but it turned out to be Will Ferraro. But anyways. Ha! Sorry. Oh, Sorry, Mike. Snap. No, actually, I was trying to get a joke out there, and you guys just totally bombed on me. See what I get for trying to be the funny man here? <laughs> anyways, you know what? Uh, time capsule next week, Kenny Omega coming up. But you know what? We have always want to try and end the last part of our show. And today, because we have a guest, we're going to help, help him moderate it for us. It's a little thing concept we call face-off. Where two guys, that being me and Magic Mike, will take a topic and we're going to try and put our points on the topic. We're not going to come to a conclusive winner or loser. What we want is you fans to send in what your POV is on all of this. So, Rick, why don't you throw us out a question that the two of us can maybe throw around and see what we have our points of view on? All right. Well, seeing how today is Halloween, I was thinking... Why don't we throw this at you for your first ever face-off? Let's have Magic Mike versus TJ Logan. And this is the question I have for you guys. Which wrestling gimmick do you believe would have the best horror movie? Magic Mike, you want to start it or do you want me to? Uh, I think I could take a stab at this. All right. Honestly, honestly, I think the one gimmick that could be considered probably the scariest movie concept out there is actually from a guy who's been around for quite a long time now he's considered a fan favorite nowadays but here in the next couple of weeks he's going to be having a very high marquee matchup with a team called dx and i'm talking about the phenom the undertaker stop and think about stop and think about what this guy's done in the last 25 26 years his original gimmick was that of the dead man You could not hurt this guy. You could not keep this guy down. No matter what you threw at him, no matter how many times you punched him, no matter how many times you kicked him, he just kept getting back up and coming after you. Now, you stop and think about that aspect of his career. Then you fast forward to what was known as his dark Lord of Darkness gimmick, where he was the head of a satanic cult. That, my friends, was some scary stuff. I don't know about you, but being a 23-year-old man sitting in the dark watching this and seeing Stephanie McMahon being lifted up on a crucifix, it kind of made me a little afraid to turn the lights on because I was afraid he might be standing there behind me with that look on his face. <laughs> okay, You know, that, that's just another aspect of his career. Then let's talk about the American Badass, which I'm sure a lot of people get a bad taste in their mouth when I bring up that aspect of his career. But guys, let's not forget, there was a movie that came out back in the 70s called The Hills Have Eyes. Who were the main antagonists in that film? A bunch of psycho bikers who lived in the mountains and captured people and ate them as food. Now, you can't tell me if you were sitting there and minding your own business and all of a sudden a guy the size of the Undertaker comes roaring up on a, on a Harley and decides that he's going to pick a fight with you or he's got an issue with you, that it's not going to scare the living bejesus out of you. Now, with that being said, let's come to the final aspect of his career where he came back as the dead man returning from the darkness guys i don't know about you but i still think to this day some of the best moments in his career as far as scaring people and getting the drop on them was during this last run 
I mean, there were, I mean, the Theodore Long kidnapping situation, Theodore's in the back of his limo, and guess what happens? What would you do if you hear, buckle up, Teddy? Yeah, this guy was without a doubt the best gimmick for a scary film. All right, well, TJ Logan, you got your hands full because that was pretty, pretty, pretty good. You had me, you had me till the end, okay? When, when I managed a six-foot... Four skinny ginger man with tattoos. You lost me there. Okay, but <laughs> I thought long and hard about this. And I thought, okay, what about Hornswoggle? But then Leprechaun's been done. So no. <laughs> I thought, oh, cheeseburger. But then thinner. That's already been done. So no, none of that. Then I dug in my brain deep and hard. Who was the really scariest guy? And there is nobody. Nobody scared. Now imagine this. It's almost like the Haitian night. You hear drums in the background. Is there voodoo is strange? It's Papa Shango, and he's appearing Whoa. in mirrors. You're looking in a mirror, and there's Papa Shanga. I mean, come on, that's Candyman level crap. You know what? Papa Shanga, great wrestler, but man, he could scare the bejesus out of kids. When I was a kid, when he came out, I didn't even know what the heck voodoo was, but I was terrified. And I think if they just maybe got rid of some of the silly parts of it, you could make a really disturbing voodoo Candyman character, and it'd be Papa Shanga. That's my pick for this week's. And you know what? I mean, guys, those that are listening right now, this is a tough one. I mean, I kind of see obvious. The obvious choice is probably Undertaker, right? I mean, that's what everybody would say. But Papa Shango, man, that dude was scary. I mean, the dude is like what six foot eight. I mean, we're not talking about Kama. We're not talking about the Godfather. We're not. We're talking about Papa Shango, man, the guy that put a voodoo curse on the Ultimate Warrior, made him throw up his guts. I mean, it was it was crazy. You know what, Rick? The reason why they stopped the Papa Shango gimmick, he was legitimately scaring children at a time WWE or WWF at the time was selling to children. He legitimately scared them, so they had to change him. Same as The Undertaker, though. He also legitimately scared so much children that they had to turn him into the more not as frightening. Uh, but let's not forget the one scary character that was actually scarier than Papa Shango was probably the good father. Oh, that is That's true. For a whole different reason, though. That wasn't really a horror, but it was scary. <laughs> so, guys that are listening right now, we what I want you to do is I want you to go to our Facebook page at Wrestling POV. Or our Instagram page at Wrestling POV1, or our Twitter page, which is controlled by Miguel Cole at Wrestling POV, and drop a comment. Who do you think would make the better horror movie? Do you think it's Undertaker? Do you think it's Papa Shango? Use the hashtag WPOV Global and add their name, Undertaker or Papa Shango. And we'll talk about it next week, seeing if we get any comments. And you better make some comments, because we want to hear from you guys. We want to know what your POV is. Go ahead, TJ. This is how I normally talk. I know you do. And you know what, fans? I want fans, I want you to throw out another challenge. If you think that you know a character that's scarier than our character, that gimmick, let's hear that too. Because you know what? We can admit when we're wrong. We're wrong most of the time with each other anyway, so whatever. But fans... Thank you for tuning in. This has been a really fun time. We look forward to coming with into your into your ears, taking you around the world. I just want to say thank you very much. I've been your host, TJ Logan, my other co-host, Magic Mike Singer, and of course our third wheel, Rick Reynolds the third. Have a great night and good night, Canada. Mm-hmm.